they did it, Rowdy. They did it, Nelson. The Milwaukee Brewers dominate. Watch say Brandon Woodruff dominates the Pittsburgh Pirates. They get their first series win of the season. A 3-0 victory. And your Milwaukee Brewers now sit at, th- what are they, 3-3 three and three on the year. In and second place in, second in the NL place. Central. Hell yeah, Nelly. Brandon Woodruff is absolutely dynamite. The dude is nasty. Nasty. I have another song here, though. Come see what's brewing. Come see what the good times are. Come see what the brewers are doing. Oh, my God. Woody on the mound. By the way, we finally got to see a little more Hater last night, and Hater was nasty, too. But here you go. Brandon Woodruff. Six and one-third innings of work. Struck out ten. Almost had a no-hitter. Allowed just one hit, an infield single. Almost had the no-hitter. And that 10 strikeouts, the most strikeouts he's had in a game since fanning 12 last June against the Reds. And the first time he's given up just one hit in a start longer than six six innings since last May against the Phillies. Dude, Brandon Woodruff, nasty. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff... uh... Well, the whole Milwaukee Brewers pitching Woo! staff in general only allowed two Pittsburgh base runners. Yeah. One I mean, hit the, and one walk. Everyone was phenomenal last night, but it was Brandon, the Brandon Woodruff show, dirty. And then when Josh Hader came in, thank, thank you. I want, I want to see more Josh Hader. Thank you for putting him in. I appreciate that. Came in, got the save, though, Nelly, in the ninth, but Hader. Hader's slider is so nasty, it struck out and hit Eric Gonzalez last night. Eric Gonzalez whiffed at a, just a nasty slider from Hader, and then the ball hit him. That's how much movement was on the damn thing. Josh Hader, sick. It was nice to see him, but we gotta we gotta give Brandon Woodruff some his due here, Rowdy. How dirty? How nasty? How good is Brandon Woodruff, the Brewers' ace? Yeah, Woo! obviously. Woo! What did Craig Council say at the beginning of the season? He knew in October that Brandon Woodruff would be starting opening day. Yep. He knew that Brandon Woodruff was the ace of the staff. Yep. I think uh, everyone else that's a Brewers fan. I think we knew that too, right? I think, yeah, I think we also <laughs> knew that at the end of 2019. Uh-huh. And I, we were talking off air before the show where I said, yeah, if you remember back in 17 where I thought uh, Brandon Woodruff was going to be a good pitcher for the Brewers in that's, the future? we got to go back three years for this, right? 2017? I, th- I thought he could be like a number three, maybe a number two. No, mm-hmm. no, no. He's a, he's a top-line ace, and he's getting dangerously close to being – one of the better aces in baseball. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, he's insane. Brandon Woodruff, uh, not, I think I saw him touch 99 on the gun last night. 99-mile-per-hour fastball and an eighty versus 87-mile-per-hour changeup. I'm watching this video right here. Same release, same spin, 11 to 12-mile-per-hour difference in velocity, and a slider and a curve to go with it and all other stuff. Brandon Woodruff is, dude's a baller, Nelson. And how much money is he making, by the way? Yeah, he's making uh, under $650,000 this year, <laughs> and he will be under contract with the Milwaukee Brewers through the 2024 season. He just becomes arbitration eligible next year. That is insane. So he will be a, a nice bargain price for a while. How many how many aces in the majors do you think are making $600,000? Not many. <laughs> probably He's probably the only one. Say he's, he's probably the only ace making $600,000. That's something... Uh, I'm gonna, maybe I'll pull up a list to find out uh, Major League Baseball aces of how much money they're making. Brandon Woodruff, severely underpaid, but here's the thing. 
That's that's fine. I mean, that's and, the Brewers I, MO. and I know it's a universal DH this year, but the guy can also hit for a pitcher too. Yeah, one of my favorite Woodruff memories, and I don't want to speak for you, Nelly, but I, I got a feeling it might be yours as well, is when he hit a dinger off of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, game one of the NLCS in 2018 to set the tone. Is that is that a favorite Woodruff memory of yours? It's definitely up there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's up there for me. I mean, how many pitchers can say they hit what yard off of Clayton Kershaw? What a performance from the Milwaukee Brewers last night. The offense, though, still, still a lot of question marks for the offense, to be honest with you. Christian Yelich is struggling mightily. Yelly, oh. Yelly went 0 for 5 on the night, and he's now 1 for 27 on the season. And it wasn't just that he went 0 for 5. It was 0 for 5 with three more strikeouts. Oh, my God. So he's not even hitting the baseball. So what is he at, 25 or uh, 12 strikeouts now on the season? 1 for 27 on the plate with 12 strikeouts on the season. Yeah, what? thankfully, guys like Keston Hira. Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble stayed hot. Dude, Ben Gamble almost hit it into the freaking into the water, dude. It was uh, he almost cleared cleared it, but it, it I think it hopped off a fence and then bounced back the wrong way. Gamble almost put it into the river. With how Gamble's been swinging the bat, even into the scrimmage games in the blue and gold series, yeah. I think you seriously have to start to consider playing Ben Gamble either in center. Well, obviously he played center last night because Lorenzo Cain had a day off, but probably playing him in right field every day just to get that hot bat into the lineup mm-hmm. and moving Avisel Garcia to DH and using Ryan Braun at this point as a pinch hitter off the bench. Yeah, Brownie actually got some hits last night. And by the way, good news, fly the L. The Chicago Cubs lose. Lose, Cubs lose. Falling to the Reds 12-7. Mike Moustakis, old friend of the Brewers, hitting a, a dinger. And then Nelly, tell tell the people about the Grand Slam. Yeah. Uh, Castellanos, a guy that the uh, the Cubs actually traded for last year to try and make the playoffs, which they didn't do. <laughs> he, went and he went yard after Moustakis for a Grand Slam against his former Cubs teams because uh, the Cubs couldn't pay for him. Yep. Cubs lose. Fly the L. Hurts even a little bit more when it was one of your former guys. Oh, you hate to see it, don't you? You hate to see it. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Tommy. Hey, Tommy. What's up, dude? So you think that Woodruff will be a Yankee in 2025? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what do you think, Rowdy? Uh, there's a chance he's not on the roster, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that just makes me ill. I mean, think of Sabathia. You know, think of some of the, the great players that come up with the farm team for the Yankees. You know, it makes me sick. Well, Tommy, we can we have four years to enjoy Brandon Woodruff. So, you know, soak it in while we can. He was hot last night. The other guy that impressed me was this guy, is Phelps, the relief fixture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a guy... I'm saying I don't know these players, and all of a sudden we're hearing this guy doing really good stuff. And you're rattling off their names, Tommy. Look at that. I'm starting to. And, you know, Gamble has been around a little bit, but uh, he's been running. I think you just don't even talk about Yelich and just let all these other people stand up. We've been watching the last dance with, uh, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah, what do you, you think of Tommy? You liking it? And uh, the thing where when he walked away for a year and a half, other people stood up. And you can't, you can't be a one-man team. And Yelich never wanted to be a one-man team, but just take the pressure off and the other guys pick up the load. And then when he gets tuned back in, it'll be really good. So yeah, I was um, putting together some model railroad pieces last night. I make my own track and switches and stuff. Yeah. How's it going? How's it going? How big is it? it oh, it's great. Well, it's small, but it's going to be incredible. But um, 
making, taking the actual rails and hooking them down to my own wooden ties with these real tiny spikes with magnifying glasses, listening to the game on the radio. How oh, cool. And so I'm doing two of my coolest things. That's awesome, Tommy. Hey, Tommy, when yeah. the world finally goes to hell and you know we're uh, post-apocalyptic, you will still be here. You'll be raising your grass-fed cows, having your maple syrup, and then you can start rebuilding society by building actual train tracks, Tommy, to I'm get there. things back flowing. You got it down, baby. I'm there. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you, buddy. Good stuff from Tommy. Yeah, that's the one thing. <laughs> so you're saying in 2025 that Brandon Woodruff's going to be on the Yankees? <laughs> well, at least you can say for the next handful of seasons he's going to be affordable. Very affordable. And at, at that point, Brandon Woodruff, I believe, would be about 31-ish. So then you'd already be questioning whether you want to sign him to a, a big-time contract. We, we got his prime, Nelly. We're getting his prime, right? He's a, dude's a hell of an athlete, too. He did some pretty cool stuff last night on defense. Um, God, he's barehanded stuff, throwing at the first base. It was – Brandon Woodruff is just – he's one of those pitchers that's few and far between for the Milwaukee Brewers where you just got to sit down and watch. Six games in, though, what do you think about the guys that David Stearns has brought in, the hitters? I'm glad you bring that up, Nelson, because I'm going to do a Twitter poll. Six games in, Brewers hit at 3-3. Three and three. You know, what do you think so far of the season? Where are the Brewers at? What do you think of uh, well, what, what David Stearns has done? I understand what he did. He brought in a lot of guys that have had past success mm-hmm. for, you know, multiple seasons. Like a, like a Justin Smoke who had success three, four, five years ago. Yep. But has been eh, relatively quiet the last couple of years. All those guys that have uh, been brought in this year that were supposed to be competing for those jobs... I don't know if any of them are batting above 200 through the first six games. Uh, I'm looking at their stats right now. Because well, you got Abisal Garcia is batting 250. But I, I don't really consider him a journeyman. He was a guy no. that signed a legit contract and was a a player that was known and had a spot on the team. Smoke was DH last night. He went over. Have the Brewers gotten any production out of the DH position? I think Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun did. But outside of that, have the Brewers gotten any really hits out of the DH position so far? I've, I'll, I'll go back and look. I was more or less just looking at Logan Morrison, yeah, Lomo. Justin Smoke, Eric Sogard, though he did have the one basically go-ahead hit. Yeah. But Jed Jerko, all, so all those guys really Jerko, haven't done a whole lot. Jerko's batting two fifty. Um, Do you consider Eric Sogard a journeyman? He's a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, he's old friend of the Brewers come back nerd, nerd power, but yeah, Sogard 188 right now. Sogard, Sogard in moments though, in the early part of this season has, I mean, he's drawn some crucial walks. He's had some timely hits when needed and Sogard he looked decent. But outside of that, yeah, Lomo, Logan Morrison, nothing. Uh, smoke, really nothing. Narvaez. What do you consider? Narvaez. Nar- Nar- sorry. Narvaez. Narvaez? Narva- Narvaez. Yes, the I. Uh, again. Don't, no, I don't want a, you to start saying it wrong like when I say it wrong. He's, he's a guy that was brought in more or less for his bat. He's batting .083. He's yeah. giving Yelich a run. <laughs> yeah, he is giving Yelly a run. Yelly's batting .037. <laughs> I mean, Brock Holt is still technically batting zero, though I think he's only had three at-bats. Yeah, well, here's the thing. The Brewers, with all these guys that haven't really done too much offensively for the Milwaukee Brewers that Stearns have brought in, and then you throw on top of that that Yelich is is 
Yelich is abysmal at the plate. The Brewers are still three and three and second in the NL Central. Yeah, just a game back from the Cubs. Well, do you think there's no way in the sixty game season that these guys stay quiet the whole time? There's no way Yelich continues this. Well, I hope not. Anyways, what happens if Yelich bats wake up and some of these other guys, some of the journeymen that's come in, all of a sudden start carrying a little bit of their weight? The Brewers are going to be looking pretty good, aren't well, they? Then you better hope that the pitching staff doesn't crap out. Yeah, pitching staff though. And this is the point you made before we started the show, Rowdy. The pitching staff is healthy now. Yeah, 100% healthy for the most part. I mean, Eric Lauer's back from the, the COVID. Yep. Uh, you have now Brett Anderson, supposed to be starting on Thursday, said his blister is better. That's what uh, held him out from his first start earlier this season. And then he said he gets a blister every year at the same time. It's like, dude, toughen up your hands somehow. I think the only guy that's still... Um, a guy that you would have thought would have been in the bullpen was Ray Black. Yeah. And that was a guy that got injured in the blue and gold series. So the bullpen's still been looking pretty good and is still pretty deep without him. So yeah, relatively hundred percent healthy. Yeah. it's For as lackluster as the Brewers offense has been outside of that Saturday game against the Chicago Cubs, they're still, I mean, they're sitting three and three game and a half outside of first place in the NL central behind the Cubs fly the L Cubs lose last night. Beautiful thing. Man, one one it's 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 tough to see when Mike Mustakis does well because I like Mustakis. I wish Mustakis was was still in the Brewers. Mustakis hits a bomb last night for the Reds, which is I'm all for beating the Chicago Cubs. So go Reds. I'm just saying that uh, David Stearns rolled the dice on a lot of these guys that were you know low 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 financial risks for higher ceilings if they played well yeah. and. So far, I would say all of them have not produced at all. Solgard, but, Solgard has. But if they do, or if they at least start to a little bit, it's going to give them a huge bump, especially if Yelich can put it together. But, yeah, like you said, the pitching staff has been pretty good. But how how differently are we talking if the Brewers would have lost last night and are sitting at oh 2 Oh, my God, I would have been so angry. And are behind the Pirates and are technically in last place I would have in the been NL I would have been just furious if the Brewers would have lost last night. It's the, yeah, is, do you think hitting is contagious, Rowdy? Yeah, I think it is. Definitely on a team when it's go, everyone's going good, everyone's swinging the stick, right? What's more contagious, COVID-19 or hitting right now for the Brewers? I guess neither. Well, I'm going to say... Yeah, neither, because the Brewers don't really have any COVID cases, and they don't have a ton of hits. All right, Christian Yelich, he needs to catch the hitting nineteen. It's a it's a it's a mutated strain of COVID nineteen. Hitting nineteen, so he needs to hang around Ben Gamble and Keston Hira. Yelich, go catch what Hira and Gamble are doing. Okay, who else? Uh, who's batting good here? Orlando Arcia is batting three fifty seven. Now he. He pinched hit last night, but he didn't do anything. Or no, did he just run? Bronny, Bronny came in. Bronny get Bronny came in for Lomo. Logan Morrison. Bronny pinched hit. He got a single, and then when he was trotted to first base, <laughs> uh, manager Craig Council yanked him and put Orlando. I think he put Orlando Arcia in, and Bron immediately came back. I think Bron got his hit off the first pitch. Bron came back into the dugout and immediately started chirping Craig Council in all fun and games. Like, dude. What the hell? Why are you taking me out? I'm faster than this guy. I'm faster than him. Let me run. Uh, they're just yeah, tough, are you saying other. tough night at the office for Braun? No, yeah, I mean he saw got, saw one pitch, hit, one got hit, hit. Oh, got yeah, to tough, first. Tough night as in like let's call it a day. Yeah, I'm good. 
Well, he wanted to stay in the game because he immediately started chirping Craig Council. Uh, it was pretty funny, man. Uh, but then Council's like, just sit down, man. Sit down, you old timer. Good stuff. Brewers get a win last night. Get their first series win. Good to see. Three and three in the season. Want to talk some college football. Did you guys see the ACC? Well, I know Rowdy did. He had it and gone in 60. But ACC, they set an 11-game fall football schedule, including Notre Dame. They already played five games in the ACC. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not like they joined the conference. They're All, doing it so they can play games if the season goes forward. Now, I got a question for you. With the ACC setting this new 11-game schedule, which obviously Notre Dame's in it, Mm-hmm. Notre Dame already plays a heavy ACC schedule outside of you know their twenty rivalry games. Yeah, yeah. Is their schedule now tougher or weaker? Because I honestly don't know. The ACC is no good. Yeah. Take away Clemson. What's the ACC lately? I think Notre Dame's schedule might have been tougher with their twenty rivalries. Yeah. With yeah, you. I mean, Navy's on there. Army. Stanford, USC, uh, USC, Wisconsin. There's your five. Michigan. How many? No, they didn't play. They Not playing Michigan. No, they ended that series. They also are normally with Purdue, Michigan State. Yep. Uh, so and the I think the only Boston other College. Big Ten game was Purdue this year, or even they they Wisconsin might have been the only Big Ten game. I'm just kind of rattling yeah. off all Notre Dame rivals. <laughs> and then they, which is everybody? They had like one game in there with like a mountain west school or something like that so i mean like oh you replace new mexico state they're a new independent rival yeah, yeah there you go true um what do you think though all, all acc schools and notre dame will play a 10 conference games plus one non-conference game of their choosing and the fighting irish will be eligible for the acc championship game good good for them what why don't they just get a conference? Because they it would handcuff them. It would handcuff them in all seasons except for 2020 where it would help them. Yeah. Get a conference. <laughs> get a conference. If you're in the ACC and you're now eligible for the title game, just stay in the hell in they're, the ACC They're the then. only independent right now who's actively not trying to find a conference. Why? Yeah, they're not New Mexico State that got booted from a conference. Why? They're not BYU who left the Mountain West thinking they were going to get an invite to the Big 12. I don't – just do it. But could you imagine if they – so they play this out. Obviously, Clemson's got to be the front runner for the ACC title. Yep. Could you imagine what that ACC title game would look like? It would look like the semifinal from a couple years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It would be a massacre. It wouldn't be good. So, let's see. The Fighting Irish are eligible for the ACC. That's why they don't want to play an ACC championship game. Yeah. Right. They're eligible for the championship game. There will be no divisions for this season only. So the not so it's a ten conference games plus one non conference game. The non conference game must take place in the home state of the ACC institution, though, and all non conference opponents must have met the medical protocol requirements as agreed upon by the ACC during this COVID nineteen pandemic. And the eleven games will be played over the le- uh, over at least thirteen weeks with two built in bye weeks. And the ACC championship game will be played in Charlotte, North Carolina on either December 12th or December 19th and will feature the two the top two teams with the highest conference winning percentages. So they're just scrapping the divisions this year then? Yes. Okay. I like that though. Yeah. 
because I was going to say, I wonder which conference they're going to be in. And I mean, when your second best team is Virginia. Mm. And Virginia lost their quarterback. Yeah. They also lost their best corner. And this is just going off of records from last year. So I I've, I've, haven't done a deep dive into the ACC yet. Yeah. Well, um, sa- same here. I'm saving that for next week. <laughs> yeah. You have three, four teams with winning conference records last year. Clemson, Louisville, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Then overall, you have one, two, three, four, five, six teams with winning records. Seven teams with winning records. Uh, Matt Brown's North Carolina's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, that's the the last one. You have, uh, obviously, Clemson. You have Louisville, Wake Forest. I kind of like how it's... Virginia Tech, Pitt, and North Carolina. I like how it's one division. And based on the the two top winning percentage goes to the conference game. I like that. Sure. I feel like every conference should probably do that this year, right? Just because you don't know if games are going to be canceled, exactly how these schedules are going to come out with, you know, playing one side of the division or playing your inner division. I think every conference should look to go to best two winning percentages or records moving on to the title game. So all 15 teams will be a part of the bowl process as well, and Notre Dame would be eligible for the ACC slot in the Orange Bowl if it is not selected as a college football semifinalist. See, they got a good shot at playing in the Orange Bowl then because Mm -hmm. they got no shot against Clemson. (laughs) And then all television revenue for the 2020 season, including Notre Dame's home games, which are broadcast by NBC, will be shared equally by all 15 institutions. That I'm a little surprised at. Same. I thought they'd be like, it's my money. I mean... That's my money. I guess, well, probably in the long run, they But if But if you're trading going into the conference where you're going to get those games, which... You do have allows to give up you something. To, yeah. Allows you to make that money for the yeah. home games. So you're probably going to have to give up some of that money. So probably a little give or take there. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And, and did you see? Because I didn't know Tuesday if you guys talked about it, but the Rose Bowl is considering moving the Rose Bowl to Memorial Day 2021. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we talked about it earlier this morning. The ACC now has set an 11-game fall football schedule, and Notre Dame is now included in the ACC. Notre Dame also is allowed to play in the conference championship game, and they're eligible for the spot in the Orange Bowl that the ACC would get if they are not a semifinalist for the college football playoffs. We've been talking about that, that Notre Dame is now essentially part of the ACC. It's one conference. not They're not dividing it. And Yeah, it's not split into divisions. Yeah, or- there's one division. And the two teams with the best conference game winning percentage go to the championship game for the ACC. We were talking about that, but now let's move to the Big Ten, where the Big Ten is only doing a conference-only game. Uh, I'm sorry, a conference-only season, excuse me. And just like the plexiglass, it's stupid. Yeah, because like they canceled the Notre Dame game, right? Or Southern Illinois. Or Southern Illinois. And what was the other one? It was, uh, it was in Boone, North Carolina. Oh, Appalachian a, yeah, State. Appalachian State. But yet they can still go to Maryland. Maryland or Rutgers because they're in conference, or even Penn State if they had the game. Which is farther than some of the other non-conference ones. All right, whatever. And so we're trying to cut down on travel or contact to different areas, but all right. But speaking of Rutgers, 
Rutgers now, their their team is now quarantining for two weeks because of COVID-19. 15 players tested positive for COVID-19, according to New Jersey State Health Commissioner Judith Prashilli. I don't know. I could have butchered her last name. I don't know. But Judith said, not happening. They're now quarantining for two weeks, 15 players, and guess how the 15 players they traced it back to, Rowdy? P-A-R-T. Why? Because I got a a party. 15 Rutgers football players test positive for COVID-19, and it all links back to a party. Yeah, but didn't they say there was only 10 people there? <laughs> yeah, weren't they abiding by the laws and the rules? Or it's not a law, but by the the rule that you're not supposed to have more than 10 people? Well, 15 got it. Rutgers on Saturday announced the football program would be quarantined. And, um, yeah, there it is. So there you go. There is a team now that said, but it's Rutgers. James Franklin. So how yeah. would you feel about that new over-under on Rutgers? Because remember, it was set at one. Yeah, Rutgers over-under. I took the over. Oh, it was one and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, one and a half. I, t- I said they'd win two games. And I, I think RJ was with you, and I said new under. You you took the under. So Rutgers is one of two Big Ten programs in quarantine right now. Michigan State's entire team has paused all workouts until at least yeah. August 4th. If you want to talk about a team where this would be a perfect year to take an under, it's Michigan State. Just look at what happened to them. Yeah, Remember D'Antoni in that situation, how he actually – was it he left just after signing day or just before signing day? Mm-hmm. Then they hired Mel Tucker. So Mel Tucker wasn't able to recruit really anyone this year. And their their recruiting class, it already looked like D'Antonio uh, or D'Antoni, whatever, <laughs> was kind of like, I'm half-assing this already because our, our recruiting class sucks. Yep. And then Mel Tucker gets in there late. They don't get to have a spring or summer camp. And now it looks like obviously fall camps are going to be running late. And now they they have to take two weeks off Jeez. to quarantine because Michigan State's also in a quarantine. Yep. Take the under. Plus you've also had you've also had uh, grade violations and no, uh, they've other, had every violation under like the sun dude. around Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, Michigan State already not going to be good. I would take that under too for sure. So two teams in the Big Ten now. Does that give you is there are, is there concern growing or I should say more concern growing? About the start of college football. What did, did you James see? Franklin say? He said even if even if twenty five percent of the conference wasn't ready to go, seventy five percent of the conference was ready, they'd still do it. I stand with uh, James Franklin. But then uh, the NCAA president. What did the MLB do when the Marlins and Phillies? They said we're going to keep going on. Yep, and they figured out a way to reschedule the the uh, well reschedule the schedule. So you have teams now shutting it down for two weeks, quarantining two of them in the Big Ten. NCAA president Mark Emmert come out to say two days ago. That fall sports, the schedule could be very helpful if it's shortened or delayed. Adios me. Remember how we were all questioning how they were going to do this on college campuses when all like the LSUs, the Clemsons, Ohio State had to do it. Yeah, Ohio State, they had all those huge spikes. Yeah. And they were kind of like, oh, we might have to shut this down. I don't know if the season's going to continue. Then to humor all the people out there, they'll put in their little stupid plexiglass. They'll cancel the non-conference games, which don't doesn't matter anyways. Yeah, They're still traveling more potentially in other spots. Yeah, they'll do that to humor you. 
you know, they'll tell you that they're testing more, even though if you tested positive for it. Yeah, here's a new thing. In college football, they said if you test positive, once you're done quarantining, you don't have to test again for three months. How does that make sense? It doesn't. Sorry, but like everything continue, else that going. was listed, it doesn't really make sense if you actually think about it. And two, what happened with uh, Wisconsin athletics and Wisconsin football? Barry Alvarez came out and said, yeah, we're probably going to lose $100 million. If there's no football. If there's no football. People freaked out, and they're trying to come up with every single situation for why they can have football because that's the thing. There's too much money in this for them not to play. But even be, if they do play with the conference-only schedule in the Big Ten, Barry Alvarez still said Wisconsin's set to lose sixty to seventy million dollars. They will. They will find a way to play. I was just thinking about it, man. Joe Kelly needs to be put in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes, he has to. Joe Kelly is a dude's a beast. He right now is the hero of the early Major League Baseball season. Nelly, you're more of a traditionalist, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say uh, not 100%, but yeah, closer to that than so when you new see, era baseball. Yeah, when you see a guy like Joe Kelly taking discipline into his own hands that Rob Manfred won't shell out, what do you think of what Joe Kelly did? Oh, I'm all for that. I'm fine with that. My man. Totes okay. My man. I love it. Someone spikes me, I'm going to spike them. There you if, go. If uh, someone is throwing at our players, I would be telling our pitchers to throw at their players. There you go. So I'm very eye for an eye. Absolutely. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, Nelson. Yes? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then we're, Didn't we're, Gandhi say that or something? Yeah, but are, <laughs> aren't we all even on the same level? Everyone's blind then? Can't <laughs> yeah. see? Yeah, then we're all like Dave from Monona. Just pissed off at the world and trolling <laughs> people on, on Facebook and Twitter. All right. You can't let put people push you around. Can't. No. Can't so, well, I mean, Rob, that's what Joe Kelly's, I mentioned Joe Kelly's like, dude, Rob Manford literally did nothing to the players of nothing. the Astros. He did nothing. Absolutely flipping. Yeah, all they nothing. did to the Astros was the organization took a fine, the GM was suspended for a year, and the manager was suspended for a year, which looks like it ended up costing him his job, because I think they just signed good old Dusty to a couple year. Oh, Dusty deal. Baker. Dusty? Oh, Dusty? But yeah, so the manager, the GM, and the owner had a fine. That's it. I mean, that, I'm just none of the so players that were probably Ooh. cheating, running the little scheme and scam, wearing yeah. the buzzers under their jersey yeah, and banging on trash cans. I'm very body conscious, okay? That's why I did not have them rip off my jersey. Yeah, yeah. my wife would get jealous. Oh, I got a new tattoo. I didn't want anyone to see it. It's, it's for later. None of it adds up. So the commissioner does nothing. Nothing. Nada. Players, Zip. other players on other teams, are like we got to take this into our own hands. And then Kelly gets suspended eight games for thirteen percent of the season. Well, the biggest thing is, did you see him trying to pick off Bregman too when he was at first base? Yeah, those were hoping that the first baseman couldn't pick it or couldn't catch <laughs> it because those were directed directly at Bregman's ribs if those balls weren't caught. I want to see. Which the funny thing is. Bregman can't bitch about it because he went on a podcast yes. prior to them cheating saying that, you know, baseball is an eye for an eye type sport with retaliation. And if someone was cheating or a team was cheating, I'd expect the unwritten rules of baseball and to get even. Yeah. Well, they were the ones cheating. So got it. <laughs> you got exactly what you said you would do. So you can't really cry about no. it. No, cannot. So in announcing it, Major League Baseball to the suspension of Joe Kelly, Major League Baseball referred to Kelly's past history. With intentional throwing. Yes. Okay, 
Well, does he actually have a past history, or are they just making this up? Nah, he's throwing at some people. But let's say this. Okay, you want to go look at past history? Go look at Bregman Correa's Altuve's past history. What's their past history? Uh, they cheated. Uh, cheating? To get hits. To win the World Series. I mean, they won the World Series. They cheated. They did. Saw that. I think every team that plays the Houston Astros, even if you don't have a rivalry with them or anything. Hit them. You plunk them. Absolutely. Like, I don't, First game of the series, well, you plunk them every time. If you remember the handicapper to the stars, Rafael, out in Vegas, yep. he set the line for a 162-game season pre-pandemic when yep. we were still in the better time the first two weeks <laughs> of spring training. The before at time. 81 and a half yeah, is that beans per season. Is B-E-T-T-O-R or B-E-T-T-E-R? It's, better time. It's the before time, Nelson. <laughs> the before time. It was a better time. Well, I would you have hit. been referring to the E-R one. <laughs> The, that's the the before time. <laughs> but was yeah, a better Raphael time. said eighty one and a half was the number of beans for the uh, Astro players this year in one hundred and sixty two games. That's it's one every other game. That yeah, a, that is a good number. Uh, J eight Krebs Jordan tweets me, "What's up, Jordan?" Morning. He says, "I'm all for going after the Astros, but Joe Kelly is not the guy he was on the Red Sox team who won the World Series, doing the same thing that the Astros did." Yeah, because the Joe Kelly was on that team when uh, they got caught for cheating. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He came over from Boston, I believe, in 19 to L.A. Well, maybe he's just upset that they ruined it for everybody. Plunk them every time. Yeah. Every every time they go somewhere new or some team comes into their park, plunk them. Game one right away. Hit them. Plunk. Just- also, do you, I don't know this to be a fact, but do you, do you think he might have not have known that the Red Sox were doing that if he's a bullpen guy? Could be. I Just because he's not in that dugout? There. Well, because there are some people on the Strohs that said they didn't know. Yeah. And I, I don't think, know how that's possible, remember, but that's what they said. If you remember, some of those guys that came out and said that were pitchers. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. especially if you're in the bullpen or you're a starter that's, you know, throwing a, a session out wherever, you're not in the you're not in the dugout. You don't exactly right. know yeah, what's not, happening in the really, dugout. Yeah. The only and thing I that mean, you're wondering about is why is there and, so many medals? You don't really hang out with everybody outside of that. You hear guys being like, I've never seen the The only question they ever. probably had is why is there so many metal trash cans around? Well, yeah. And yeah. the other thing with Boston. <laughs> guys, let's let's do better. <laughs> if you're referring to Boston, it also could have been they might have been a little bit lit up in the bullpen too. Yeah, because yes, they're they drinking a bunch of beer. They were drinking. Remember when they were they were caught drinking a bunch of beer and eating a bunch of chicken and fried chicken and playing video games yeah, during the middle of, of games? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, that's, uh, sign me up for that job. I want to be. That's what got uh, Tito fired. What in year Boston. was what year was that? Two thousand and like. 12, I think. Yeah, because it was after the World Series runs, right? And then uh, that's when they started to kind of toil around mediocrity. That's why uh, Tito Francona got the... the Then he went to Cleveland. It's like, what's happening in the clubhouse? Oh, yeah, the boys are... What do you mean, guys? We got a bunch of KFC, got some brewskis, too, and fired up the video games. What? Um, what? Why are you doing Uh, this? Yes, that was 2012. Because August 10, 2012, John Lackey drinks beer in Boston Red Sox. John Lackey. <laughs> Remember that guy? Oh, too funny. Oh, and then he here's his excuse. Called them rally beers. Oh, you got to have rally beers. Yeah. But usually that's after you puke. That's a puke and rally beer. Yeah, that's usually after you... Uh... Nothing like that one guy. And it may or may not have happened to me a couple times early on in my starting to party days. <laughs> You maybe have a couple too many, and you go outside. He pukes at rallies. You maybe puke a little bit. A little bit. Ugh, shake it off. Uh-huh. Come back and be like, I'm back, boys. Let's go. And everybody goes, woo! 
Get that man a beer. It only turns into a problem when you're out there. I saw bloodshot. And you had a you had a few too many, and then all of a sudden, uh, the manager's calling for you to get up. And you're like, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm good. And also, Nelson, that only turns into a problem, Talk, too. Talking to your bullpen guy. I can't go to that. I'm not no. feeling the best. And sure. Nelson, it also only doesn't turn into a problem until you start calling into a sports talk show to say beer or career. I chose beer. That's a little homage to our guy down the middle, Johnson, Charlie. <laughs> hey, that guy's a puking rally guy. I got a promo about it. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, what did you do this morning? Yeah, I threw up brothers. <laughs> but I'm good now. We're on a BWWRUN beer run. <laughs> uh, puke and rally? You puked and rallied, right, RJ? I mean, I have if multiple. you haven't, you're doing it wrong. Nelson, you puked and rallied, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, go you haven't, you haven't sometimes partied. Sometimes you got to go poop the booze out. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's the. That's the. That's the next day. Well, no, that's that's also. Was it from uh, the league? Raffy. The league, Raffy, yeah. You gotta crap the booze he out. He did it so he could go dry. Oofed up. What a show! That was a funny show. That was a good show. You haven't partied until you puked and rallied. Take it from a guy who's done it a couple times. He's back. Get him a beer. Let's go. Anyone got a piece of gum first? Joe Kelly throws a fastball behind Bregman's head. And then, and he did the yawn. He's like, oh. and then later, after getting it after with Correa, he did the, mm, and then talk some talk. But when the fight broke out, Joe Kelly was nowhere to be found. He was just kind of staying in the back. Joe Kelly is on record saying that when he throws the ball, he doesn't know where it's going to go. He's just throwing it. He did say also that the pitch got away from him. Dust, Dusty Baker also said these things happen. Pitches get away from him. I'm not buying though that that pitch got away from him. Okay, home. what what are because I've heard both Kelly the managers. Said, what are they gonna say? They can't come out and say Dave Roberts can't come out and say yeah. I was proud of him for pl- trying to plunk him. And I can. We're all proud away. of him yeah. though. I mean, behind closed doors, I guarantee. Just pat every, on the back. Everybody yeah. in the league watching that or who saw it, probably if you had. Joe Kelly's number texted him, but like, way to go, man. Way to go. Rowdy, what do you think? Joe Kelly, after the game, said, my accuracy isn't the best. (laughs) Quote. I'm going to say that's cause for concern when you throw (laughs) upper 90s. (laughs) Did you throw that at some guy's head? Got to send him back down to go work with Crash Davis. But, I mean, the guy has also been in the league for like nine years. (laughs) He's been around, so, yeah, he can throw strikes. Uh So, yeah, I think that's a little tongue-in-cheek. All right, so Kelly is now suspended Eight games by Major League Baseball after he threw at Bregman and then plunked Correa and then also had some choice words. Uh, let's see here. Also, they said Kelly made a, a pouty face at the Astros shortstop as he walked up the field. And then Dusty Baker also claimed Kelly yelled, nice swing, bitch, after the, at one of the guys. <laughs> and then <laughs> Joe Kelly is the ultimate hero. So... Joe Kelly now suspended eight games doing what everyone wants to do, and that's peg every or throw at every Astros player because of their cheating and winning the World Series. Wasn't one of the tune-up games? Didn't a couple guys get hit? Yeah, yep. right away. That was El Tuve and, and Bregman, Bregman back-to-back. Back-to-back, plunk-plunk. Because it's an exhibition game, it doesn't matter, so nobody got suspended for any of that? I don't know, dude. But here's the, the thing is that it's – Eight games, but it's equivalent to 22. If this had happened in a 162-game season, the guy probably only gets five games, and then it gets appealed yeah. down to two or three. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's going to get an appeal here, and it'll go down to like 
four. Here, under the 60-game format, the eight-game suspension accounts for more than 13% of the schedule. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. That's guy. That's, that's not worth it. I Rob mean, Manford won't punish the Astros. John Crook just switched to the other side of the plate when Randy Johnson threw behind him, but that was also in an all-star game. Do you blame <laughs> Joe Kelly at all for doing what he did? No. Nelson? Not really. I think it's great. I would... I, Joe Kelly right now is the hero of Major League Baseball, and now Rob Manfred is denying us seeing more of him. Would you well, rather Would you rather Joe Kelly throw behind him and talk trash, or throw one ninety eight at his head? Throw behind throw him and, and talk, talk trash, trash. And, and hit him in the head. Uh, throw behind you know, him and talk trash. That option is much more safer than trying to end a guy's career. Yeah. So Joe Kelly, what he did was what everybody wants to do in Major League Baseball. Yeah. He's a hero. Now he's suspended thirteen percent of the season, eight games. And Nelson, what did you say in a normal season would be how many? Twenty twenty two ish? That's insane. That's way too much. Joe way Kelly too excessive. Also a noted psychopath kinda, because in interviews he Don't says some, I I love it. That's the thing. Joe Kelly is awesome. This guy's my new hero. The question is when the Astros go, who do the Astros play next? Because there was no really more dust ups with the um the Dodgers, besides that game one, now the Astros go and they play the Angels. Do the Angels continue what Joe Kelly started and start throwing at Stroh's players? I hope so. I hope so, too. Nelson, you hope so? I don't think so, just because I don't think there's really a rivalry. I know they're in the same division, but, I mean, the a- Angels have not been very good compared to well, the Astros. Well, that's because the Astros keep, have been cheating. They need the, to keep the... Angels the, could have been up there, man. Every with, time. And with seeing two the, the eight-game suspension, I feel like some pitchers might be a little leery because eight games is a long time in a 60-game season. Well, at this point, MLB is going to have to think of something because everybody's doing it. You can't suspend everybody. That's right. Rob Reichel joining us. Forbes.com, our Packer insider. Robbie, what's up? Oh. I hope you're doing better than Kristen Yelich in there, Evo. Oh, Rob, I am. Um, well, my batting average right now is zero zero zero. Yelich is zero three seven. I don't know. I don't know what's good right there. Yelich, I guess. Robbie, what's going on with Yelly? Can you talk him up? <laughs> I don't know. The Give conspiracy me- theorists are out, right? With with is Yelly off the juice? Is is <laughs> is are, are they done feeding Yelly signs now after the Astros <laughs> got caught? I. God, I, I hope none of those conspiracy theorists are right, Evo. He's he's been too fun to watch hit the baseball. I I hope he's not the next Ryan Braun. Let's just say that. I I think he'll be fine, Evo, and he probably busts out this weekend against the Cardinals. He's he's just too good of a pure hitter. But boy, you know what what's what's concerning is he's not even close to the strikeouts. Oof, no, so. it's, Robbie's one for twenty-seven with twelve strikeouts. Yikes! I know the, the strikeouts are a killer. That that's forty-four and a half percent strikeouts, Evo. I mean, that's crazy. Ugh. Uh, good thing bars aren't out right, or you can't go to bars right now because Yelly will be striking out with the ladies too. Then, my God, with that kind of rate, not good, Robbie. I called it though yesterday, so I said Nelson and I set the over under for Yelich hits last night at half, and I took the over, saying he's got to get one. Nelson actually took the under just because of trends. Nelson wins the bet because Yelich didn't get a hit. Now I'm saying Friday, Yelich is doing the cycle. Watch it happen against the Cardinals. You heard it here first, well, Robbie. I, I would think he goes like. Five for eleven or something this weekend. Yeah, I, I would think he has a pretty good weekend in in general, Evo. But I sure hope I'm right on that. It, Same. I, I what, what really scares me is he was he wasn't going up against Bob Gibson and and Nolan Ryan in the in the last three days out there in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so um, 
We shall see. We shall see, Bob. But you didn't. You didn't call to talk Brewers, did you? No. More will be revealed on that front, Robbie. I, I called to talk some Green Bay Packers, Rob. Is Brian Gutekunst sweating a little bit, realizing, oh my God, I should have drafted a wide receiver because Devin Funches has opted out of the season due to COVID nineteen concerns. That was uh, by stats the Packers' second most you know catch getter when it comes to Devin Funches. What's going to happen now with the Packers? Yeah, I mean, let's let, let's not kid ourselves. This isn't like losing Jordy Nelson in in twenty fifteen, right? You know, before the before the start of the season when he tore his ACL in Pittsburgh. It's not like losing Robert Brooks in, in 96 when he tore his, tore his ACL in Week 7 against the 49ers. But it's, but it's a hit, Evo, because there's just not a lot in that positional group overall. And, and to your first part of the question, is Brian Gutekunst sweating and, and looking back and, and, and saying, boy, did, did I mess things up in April? You, you, you would have to think there's some kind of buyer's remorse in terms of that, that he took the running back in round two and that, and that he took the tight end slash fullback in round three and, and didn't go wide receiver there when there were some pretty good ones. At least we think they're going to be some pretty good ones uh, that, that were still sitting on the board. I, I, don't think he has, I don't think he has any regrets about the round one quarterback, Evo. I, I think they were, were absolutely hell-bent and committed to go in that direction. Um, but but it's but it's the deeper picks. I mean, they're stacked at running back, Evo, with with Jones and Williams. There's not a lot of jewels in the league better than that pair. Did they need AJ Dillon? Absolutely not to to win in 2020. Could have they used T Higgins from Clemson or or somebody like that? No question about it. And um, again, I I think Funches was probably going to be the three at best, but. But Evo, again, there's just not a lot there. The spotlight now goes to Alan Lazard, who's clearly the number two. Guys like MVS and, and Kumro, who I think were both major disappointments a year ago, need to step up. Um, I mean, after that, though, Evo, there's just not a lot to plug in there next to Devontae Adams at the moment. And, and yeah, this, this wide receiver group looks as bad as you know some of those things. Yeah, we saw Don Mikowski trying to win with in the, you know, the late 80s or something like that. The, 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 the Black Heels were trying to, to throw passes to 30 years ago, Evo. It, it, it's a bad group. Some dire straits out there, Robbie. We're going to see what happens. All right, you brought up, uh, well, it's, a, it's another weapon that Rodgers doesn't have now. But speaking of Aaron Rodgers, we already knew how he kind of felt about, you know, Jordan Love and the drafting of him. But now Rodgers on, oh, he's with Kyle Brandt on the ringer saying he poured himself four fingers of tequila after he saw the pick come down. He thought they were going to get a wide receiver. And then he talked about his inevitable future with the Packers. And he thinks, and he said it himself, that – you know, I know the business. I don't foresee myself finishing my career with the Packers, essentially. Did that kind of clear the the air a little bit? Did Rodgers take some tension out of the room by saying, I have no ill will, I know the business, and I don't foresee myself finishing with the Packers? Yeah, I, I think without question it does, E-Boy. And, and, you know, at least by the sound of this, Rodgers is going to handle this situation a thousand times better than Brett Favre once did. And, and you know I'm a big Brett Favre guy, uh, but he did not handle that situation with Rodgers well 15 years ago. Uh, Rodgers seems clearly of the mindset that he's going to take a total 180 in terms of how he does business and approaches things with, with Jordan Love. He called him a day after the draft. He said, I get it. You're in a tricky spot. You didn't ask to be sent to Green Bay. They're the ones who drafted you. We're going to work together, and, and I'm going to try to help you get better. But in terms of Rodgers' long-term future, I mean, Evo, let's be honest. He, 
he's going to be here two more seasons. He's going to play 2020, and he's going to play 2021 in Green Bay. The financial ramifications and the hits are just too great against the salary cap to move on from Aaron Rodgers before the 2022 season. And the number becomes a lot easier to swallow in, in 2022 in terms of moving away from Aaron Rodgers. So for the next two years, I mean, is he dead man walking? Yeah, I guess in a way he, he is. But at the same point in time, um, it's, it's pretty imperative for Rodgers to continue to play really high-level football, Evo, because he's going to be auditioning you know, for his next team whoever that is, a couple of years down the road, you, you know, you, you can look ahead and, and see some spots where, where there's there's going to be openings. I mean, the Colts are going to have an opening. Phillip Rivers is almost 40. Things might not work out in New England here with, with Cam Newton, and they, they could have an opening. The Raiders could have an opening in Vegas. I mean, it, he'd be a huge draw back in California if he goes to Los Angeles and, and takes over for the Chargers if, right, if, if, if the Justin Herbert pick doesn't work out. There's going to be a lot of teams that, will be hankering to get their hands on Aaron Rodgers a couple seasons from now. And, and he knows that, Evo. And the, the, the question I've had from the start, though, is he capable, again, of a 40-touchdown of a type of a season? I, number one, I, I think they're going to be far, uh, far more a 50-50 run-pass balanced offense this year. That, that's where LaFleur and Gutekunst want this offense to go. They want it to look like Kyle Shanahan's out in, in San Francisco. So will Rodgers have the the same opportunities that he had with Mike McCarthy to throw all those touchdowns? I, I'm thinking not. And then number two, Evo, I mean, we just got, we just got done talking about his wide receiver group. And, <laughs> and secondly there, I, I just I think Aaron Rodgers has declined quite a bit in the last three or four seasons. He, he's going to be out to prove everybody wrong on that front, obviously, this season. But again, he turns 37 during the season. Can he turn back the clock and play football the way he did at 28 or 29, Evo? I'm not sure. Personally, I don't think so but he's going to be gunning for that and trying to do it. So um, did he clear the air for now? Probably. I think he probably took a little bit of weight off himself and Brian Gutekunst yeah. by, you know, by answering that question again. But, um, you know, there's still going to be bumps and there's still going to be hiccups along the way. There's no question that, you know, this breakup hasn't officially happened yet, Evo, and, and we all know from life's experience breakups aren't a lot of fun. No, they're they're definitely not, Robbie. Rob Rochel joining us on Forbes.com. Speaking of Forbes.com, Robbie, you do I don't wanna steal any thunder, but I think we all kinda knew it when you were doing your countdown for the most important Packers at Forbes.com and Aaron Rodgers came in at number one. But after what I heard and you talking about and Devin Funches, you know, opting out of the season, how did you put the Zadarius Smith, number two, ahead of Devontae Adams, who is number three, when Adams now is like the lone guy to get the ball, while Preston, or Zadarius Smith's got others like Preston Smith to help him out and that defense. How is Zadarius ahead of Devontae? It's a great question, Ebo, and actually the list was done before the Funches news. <laughs> um, Damn it, well, don't you hate well, it when well, that happens, Rob? What what is this? It's Thursday evening, so Tuesday night is when or Tuesday was when the punches news broke. <laughs> I, I I think we ran to Darius Smith on maybe Monday and Adams on Sunday yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You could easily make the case right now to flip flop them, but 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 even I mean I, I will tell you, Green Bay hasn't had a defensive player, you know, like Darius Smith since Woodson and since Clay Matthews were, were in their prime and, and helped that twenty ten team win a Super Bowl and, and led the Packers to NFC Championship games and all those divisional titles. What what Zedaria Smith did last year, Evo, and, and, and let's be honest, by about midseason teams for game planning to take him away. It's, it's not like he was still seeing one-on-ones. What, what he did last year was, 
was pretty remarkable. I mean, when, when you go back and again, Evo, look at that. Look at that 2019 offseason, March of 2019, on the same day when Brian Gutekunst brought in the three defensive starters. Um, you know, he got, a, he got a couple of literally bona fide pro bowlers there, the outside linebackers, and he fixed the safety position, at least the strong safety position, with the AMO signing, and then he drafted Savage a month and a half, two months later. So um, they remade that defense. There's still some problems, I think, on that defense as, as we look to 2020 Evo. But the two Smith boys were, were absolutely remarkable. And, and Zedarius, what he did leading the league, Evo and pressures and quarterback hits and, you know, seeing a ton of attention down the stretch. I don't think anybody's ever going to forget that Viking game in, in week 16 that gave the Packers the divisional title. Yeah. What he was able to do that night, I think he had three sacks and five knockdowns or whatever the exact numbers were, Evo. But, I mean, he was almost unblockable that night by the Vikings. So, yeah, I mean, flip a coin right now, I'd say, between Adams and Zedarius at, at 2-3, and God knows Bakhtiari factors in there somewhere, too, because, um, you know, easily at 4, because um, it, he's the guy who holds the key to the play of the offensive line. Green Bay's got some people up top, people. I mean, that, there's no question about it. What's, what's going to determine how far and where the Packers go is those guys between about 10 and 20 and what kind of years they have, right? Can Ricky Wagner block anybody at right tackle because they absolutely need him? Can Kirksey turn into a, a legitimate starter at inside linebacker? Um, just just some of those questions, Evo. They need positive answers, too, if they're going to win the division again and hope to advance back to the NFC title game. Rob, just breaking it down, my man. We're going to check it all out at Forbes.com, your Twitter account as well, at Rob Reichel. And real quick, uh, Robbie, before I let you go, uh, last week when we talked at the end of the segment, you said you were going in, be live tweeting about high school sports and whatnot. Could you give us a quick synopsis of what's going on for the WIA? Yeah, I don't know how much you guys paid attention to how that all broke down. It was, it, it, it was a, I think, pretty encouraging meeting for most people across the state. Long story short, Home uh, sports were delayed. Um, uh, what they called the low-risk sports, Evo, the tennis, the golf, the cross-country, the swimming, were pushed back a week. Some of the some of them are quote-unquote high-risk sports where there's a little more contact or a lot more contact through the game. Boy, soccer, football, uh, volleyball, that got pushed back to the first week of school, Evo. I think September 7th is the official day when those teams can practice. But the bottom line is the WIA said we're going to we're going to provide an opportunity for people to have seasons, for people to have, have games. We're not pushing. Uh, there, there was a proposal out of the southwest part of the state, Evo, that wanted fall sports to spring and spring to summer. And that was going to turn into just kind of a borderline debacle with, with scheduling and club teams and, and finding space and kids having to pick between, you know, sport A or sport B. So right now, Evo, long story short, they're going to delay it. They're going to try to give it a go. In Dane County there, um, it, it's a lot trickier, certainly inside the Big 8. Uh, the Madison schools, Middleton, Verona, Sun Prairie, Beloit Memorial, although Beloit Town and Rock County. But the seven schools that are in Dane County are not going to have fall sports. Um, I think that's really disappointing to a lot of people in, in those cities. We'll see what the transfer rate is of, of kids that need to put tape on film, uh, you know, put, put actual uh, film out there for colleges. It, it's going to be interesting with some of those. But the overwhelming majority of the state, at least right now, Evil, is going to try to give it a go. And uh, I applaud the WIA. I, I think they did a terrific job in that meeting. And, and for the time being, uh, we, we still do have full sports, Evil. 
All right, Robbie, my fingers are crossed for everything. I, I got to see some sports. I got to see more, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll check it all out. Like I said, Forbes.com and at Rob Reichel. Appreciate it, brother. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Hope you all get hot. <laughs> Me too. See you, Robbie. There he is, Rob Reichel. Good news, folks. Yesterday, no one for the Packers opted out of the season or was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Right now, it's still just Devin Funches. Which definitely hurts for the Packers. Now, uh, who's number two now? Lazard? That's your number two? Lazard's your number two. On any other Maybe team. Maybe Jay Sternberger could uh, wiggle his way into a number two as a tight end. He was a receiving tight end and one of the better ones coming out last year. Yeah. Or, I guess, two years ago. So, the latest to opt out of the season... Uh, was Damian Williams, the Chiefs' second-string running back. He is done. He said, I will be opting out. The Giants' starting left tackle, Nate Solder, opts out for the 2020 season. I mean, there's so many people opting out that they have a tracker on it, uh, cbssports.com. But the Lions have now placed uh, Pro Bowl receiver Kenny Galladay and tight end TJ Hawkinson on the reserve COVID-19 list per uh, – of the transaction wire. So there are five Detroit players, Detroit Lions players, who were placed on the COVID-19 list on Wednesday. Um, so there's a bunch of there is a bunch of players testing positive for this, and they're just putting them on that list. So that means you either tested positive for the virus or you or who have been quarantined after having been in close contact with an infected person. So if a player falls into either category, their team is required to immediately place them on that list. The teams are not permitted, per the agreed-upon NFL, NFLPA policy, to comment on the player's medical status other than referring to roster cuts. So uh, furthermore, teams may not disclose whether a player is a is in quarantine or is positive for COVID-19. So they just give you the name. Yeah? No, oh, you're just, just, you're just adjusting? Yeah. Get, getting, getting comfy in that chair? All right, so looking at the opt-out list right now, mm, the Browns, they got two. I think that's new from yesterday. Damian, what's your take on Damian Williams for the Chiefs saying, you know what, not doing it? I think, uh, well, one, he was one of the heroes in the Super Bowl, correct? Yeah. I mean, he's a he little bit some of, of a those, bigger name. Yeah, he had some of those big runs. I don't know if I would necessarily say Damian Williams is a bigger name. He, he he's kinda, not a big name, but he's a bigger name than... He kind of jumped onto the scene late with the Chiefs, because if you remember, they were they were rolling with LaShawn McCoy yeah. until Jeez. I think it was kind of... When he had that orgy party, is that when they caught him? Uh, I think he got hurt, and he just wasn't as effective as maybe, Damian maybe Williams. that's what it was. But, oh, uh, I think he had that orgy party in Buffalo. So never mind. Strike that from the record. But any, yeah, I'm not even sure. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, so he kind of busted on the seam late. If you remember, he was actually playing like second and third fiddle in Miami yeah. years ago. So he's not a guy that's like a household name that's like the Adrian Petersons, you know, the mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott's. He kind of came out of nowhere, had a big Super Bowl, had some good playoff games. But if you remember... but. Who did the Chiefs take with their first pick? Edwards Hilaire? Yeah. The stud running back out of LSU that many thought wasn't even going to go that high? Mm-hmm. I mean, Damian Williams, this could be a business decision that might cost you your job. Might bite him in the butt. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the players want to be safe with their health, then that's, that's their right to do so. I get it. I totally get it. I just can't believe 
of all the teams, it's the Patriots with the most people opting out. They're up to six. Safety, Patrick Chun, linebacker, Dante Hightower, offensive tackle, Marcus Cannon. Yeah, that's big for the Patriots with Hightower and and Chung out because those were two of their leaders and captains on the defense, which now what does that that defense look like without its two big leaders and two of their better players? They got a decent offensive tackle and offensive lineman also opting out. Then the fullback, we only know him just because he played for the Packers for a minute. Danny Vitale, whatever, he opted out. And then their fifth-string running back, Brandon Bolden, that's the that's the team with the most amount of opt outs is the New England Patriots. Yeah, and, is and Bill Belichick trying to do some kind of evil genius thing on us? Is he playing like he's not playing four D chess? Is Belichick playing five D chess and we don't even know it? Yeah, I think I saw someone uh, or some tweets on Twitter talking about how Belichick's tanking for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, for Trevor Lawrence. I don't buy that. I don't buy that either because I think there was an article that came out that was that talked about how Belichick reacted to Chung opting out. I have not read that article. I'm sure it went something like this. We'll just find someone else and we're on to Cleveland. Go Brown. Go Patriots. Okay, here here it is. Chung told CBS this morning, quote, he understood. Yeah, I knew it would be something short and sweet. He understands it's a serious pandemic going on. He totally got it. You guys think Bill is like this drill sergeant, but he's actually a very caring person. He totally understood, and that was it. It was a short phone call. So, yeah, probably that paragraph that Patrick Chung elaborated on was probably just the first two words he said. Bill Belichick was probably just like, yeah, I understand. Hello? He understood. Oh, uh, Patrick? Oh, yeah. What can I help you with? Oh, oh you're opting out. Oh, I understand. Bye. <laughs> and, at the sa- and at the same time, he, he, isn't he the guy that is totally the I'd rather get rid of a player a year too early than keep him a year too long? Yeah. We'll find someone else. We'll reload. And hey, and you know, on, we're on to Miami. We had we had some you know tongue and cheek bets going around. Who's going to be the day one starter for the Patriots? Will it be Cam Newton? Or will it be, will it be Jarrett Stidham? Here's the thing: if that right tackle is now gone, obviously that makes your offensive line worse. Mm-hmm. Cam, not as fleet as foot as he used to be. Nope. Dinged up. Jared Stidham, pretty good athlete. Can run around a little bit. Our sports director, Zach Heilprin, just posted this up on the Facebooks in the Twitters at Zone Madison. A live look into the Packers locker rooms. It's a different look. Here you go in the COVID-19 world that we live in. Oh, yeah, here we go. A.J. Dillon posted it. So Zach grabbed it off of there on his Instagram story. The Packers locker room, now each locker is divided by two two panes of plexiglass between each locker because of COVID-19. You see in the, did you see the I picture? I see it. So let me get this straight. They want, mul- they want multiple testing, right? They want to, they're going to be tested every tested day. Tested every day. The NFL players are going to be tested every day for two weeks, and if it falls below a certain threshold or percentages, they'll do the testing every other day. These these players who are tested every day, and if you do get a positive test, you're not even allowed to enter the stadium, the practice facilities. You're not allowed to enter. There's plexiglass each side of the locker dividing, you know, your 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 locker neighbors. These players have this installed in there. What did you say? It's about a six foot by two foot slab of plexiglass. I don't know. These players are going to be blocking, tackling, pushing, 
breathing, spitting, running, running, yelling, sweating, dogpiling, all over each other for, let's say, in a game, three and a half hours. Or not to mention every single day at practice. And practice. And you're going to be, if you're not in the practice, you're going to be standing on the sidelines next to these players without any plexiglass. But heavens forbid when you change at your locker, you must have the uh, plexiglass. I don't know. Are they still showering? Wasn't Uh, that like a... I don't think you're allowed to, actually. I don't think there's... I think there's the showers are gone. So, yeah. So, you're going to be standing by each other without any masks or anything like that for, yeah, multiple hours a day. But when you change in your little uh, cubby, in your little uh, closet there... We're going to be the, in that plexiglass. Here, God, we're going to need the uh, plexiglass. That's so stupid. It's so stupid. Also, don't forget... Waste of money. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, after the game, though, they're not allowed to shake hands, exchange jerseys, congratulate each other, talk to each other, despite... For three and a half hours of tackling each other, dogpiling on each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and like you said, <laughs> to get into the facility, you should theoretically be negative. Uh, let's see, a Mitch messages on it. He says, how are they going to get plexiglass between the tacklers and the ball carrier? How about that? Why don't they just move the NFL? Here's what it's going to be. The NFL, everyone's going to be on these little Segway. You remember the Segway scooters? Everyone's going to be on a Segway scooter, but we're going to make it look like the Pope Mobile. The Pope Mobile is all bulletproof glass, so no one no one offs the Pope. You've seen the Pope Mobile, right? He's, I think like I have a, an idea what it's like it looks a golf, like. It's like a golf cart, and he's up there waving to everyone, but he's surrounded by all bulletproof glass. Let's just do that with the Segways, and everyone's got plexiglass all they're encased in. And I don't know. How would you get the ball in and out there? What's that, what's that one video game? Um, uh, Twisted where, Metal. Yeah, Twisted Metal, and there was a... No, it's kind of like Twisted Metal, but it's like with sports, where you're like a car that plays like soccer or whatever. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. What if they basically did that, but they're playing football? In cars? Yeah, basically. Well, how would you... I I like where you're going, but my question is, where do you... Oh, it's Rocket League. That's what it is. Rocket League. My question is, what do you do with the ball? They're all go-karts. How about go-karts? Instead well, of cars, they're go-karts. It's no longer football. You or, change it into like a rugby. What do you do with the ball, though? You got to be encased in plexiglass. What's the, how's the... Are you telling me this doesn't make sense? Kind of like the plexiglass between the lockers? Yeah. I, I think I know what you're getting at. This doesn't make sense. Rocket League. That's what it is. Man, with all this going on, why don't they just bubble wrap them? Have you ever seen the South Park episode called Sarcasta Ball? Oh, it sounds really familiar. Describe it. They're all bubble-wrapped. They all play flag football. They're not allowed to like touch oh, each other or hurt each of, other. I was thinking of crack baby basketball for a second. <laughs> no, not that one. That was a good episode, too. Every every South Park episode is a good one. Oh, the madness. The madness. But this, the thing is, if they didn't do this, though, my God, would people bitch to no end. What is a little thing of plexiglass going to do in the locker room? Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't think people actually think critically about it. The little pane of plexiglass between you isn't going to do anything to stop a virus where you're going to be in contact with people for no, no, hours no, no. prior Nelson, or before the or virus, after. The virus isn't that smart, dude. It, it only attacks you if you're 5 feet 11 inches close to someone or closer. Once you're 6 feet, the virus says, oh, oh, God, I can't go that far. I'm done. 
The virus, when you're in lines, doesn't turn left or right. Because when you're in lines, you know, have you ever been like grocery store or whatever, and the lines left or the right of you aren't six feet, but you got to be six yeah, feet. Yeah, or the back. ATMs when yeah. it, this first originally started. So I guess the, stu- the virus is stupid. The virus, the virus is not the brightest, so that's why the, pl- the plexiglass works. It sees the plexiglass and it says, oh, my mortal enemy, the plexiglass, I'm just going to give up and die. That's what it does. You didn't hear that? Fauci said it the other day. Yeah, it seems that people think that, but then wouldn't you think that stereotypes would say that the virus should be smart? <laughs> what stereotype? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. It's so dumb. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. Plexiglass in the locker room. Despite them tackling each other, blocking each other, getting into uh, scrums, dog piles. The virus sees the plexiglass and says, no, I ain't messing with this.